Hello, and welcome to the Multiple Sclerosis Association of America's podcast, A Little is a Lot When Exercising with MS. I'm Andrea Griffin, Vice President of Communications and Marketing for MSAA, and your host for today's program. Today's program is part of MSA's 2020 MS Awareness Month, the Mind, Body, and MS Connection Campaign, which has been made possible by the generous support of Biogen, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and Genentech. I'm honored to welcome our guest presenter, physical therapist Brian Hutchinson, to the program, who will be sharing with us his insights on the importance of exercise and physical activity in managing MS. Brian is an MS-certified specialist and the director of the Multiple Sclerosis Achievement Center in Sacramento, California. Brian, thank you so much for being here and giving us your time today. It's a pleasure, Andrea. look forward to it. Wonderful. So our topic for MS Awareness Month is the mind-body connection, which looks at how both physical wellness and emotional wellness are really integrated and so important in managing MS. Brian, can you talk a little bit more about this? Sure. Uh, I, I think we often we often know that uh, mind and body are, are very closely connected. We we think about it in terms of uh, our, our physical activity, but also we know when we're moving, we feel better, and and when uh, we feel better, we move more. So there is definitely a, a connection. Uh, as wellness, uh, or what we call about what we consider wellness in terms of the physical and emotional side of things, uh, how that fits into the overall management of MS is, is becoming more and more uh, well understood. Uh, we know that disease-modifying therapies are really important in terms of managing the disease, uh, as well as symptomatic medications and, and symptomatic therapies and the like. Uh, but we also have learned a lot about how these wellness strategies, whether it be uh, diet, exercise, uh, the ability to um, get proper sleep, mm-hmm. uh, cognitive stimulation, all of those kinds of things are, are extremely important uh, in the well-being of the person. Uh, and the exciting component from a, a um, research standpoint is we're understanding that this may also have an impact on, on how, people well, how, how well people do with, with multiple sclerosis. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. It's certainly important for people to be physically active and non-sedentary as much as possible with MS. With that being said, can you help us understand the differences between physical activity and exercise? Sure. When we talk about it in a very simplistic fashion, physical activity is any body movement. So uh, if we are getting up and, and being uh, uh, mobile or in, and if for whatever reason uh, uh, we are primarily in a wheelchair, still being able to move, push the chair, uh, you know, go to a standing position if possible, those kinds of things. All of those types of movements would be considered physical activity. Uh, exercise is merely a structured form of physical activity. So uh, something that is, uh, takes place on a planned uh, in a planned way, uh, and um, often is something that is uh, uh, hopefully well-rounded that includes endurance, uh, strength, flexibility, and the like. Uh, back in the day, if you will, we used to think that physical activity 
was not something uh, that counted, if you will. So we had to have a very structured exercise program. We are learning uh, that it, that movement is is the most important component, uh, and that adding it all up uh, throughout the day, whether that be uh, your activities of daily living, um, maybe doing lawn work, uh, all of those things are movement oriented and uh, certainly are important in the overall. Uh, uh, well-being of a person. So uh, the physical activity part, whether it be counting steps or, or counting movement in another way, uh, is is probably uh, as, as important uh, as looking at how you structure your exercise program. The benefit for a structured exercise program is it is something that you're able to monitor, uh, track, and, and identify uh, whether or not you're reaching those specific goals. Great. Thank you for explaining the the differences between those two, physical activity and exercise. And that's a a good segue to our next question. Um, As you know, the title of our program today is A Little is a Lot When Exercising with MS. Can you explain that a little bit further? Yes, I think it's it's a a great uh, topic and a great uh, phrase when we talk about MS, because what we often look at, particularly when someone is is, uh, starting with an exercise program, uh, is uh, they will often overdo. uh, And what that can do when we go back to that that mind-body or that emotional and physical connection is that can become demotivating. Uh, so finding ways in which we can uh, do just a little bit of that activity, be successful with it, and then increase from there, particularly when starting an exercise program, is a great way of approaching it. Uh, so looking at uh, ways in which uh, you can do uh, a little bit of activity, gain the benefits, uh, and then start to increase from there. Uh, that's true with physical activity as a, as well as exercise. Uh, with MS, we know that there are a number of uh, different factors that can limit or uh, uh, decrease one's ability to exercise. Those could be fatigue. Uh, they could be uh, oriented to um, weakness, uh, balance problems. Uh, it could be heat sensitivity. Uh, all of those things can be things that one has to manage uh, their their exercise or physical activity around uh, in order to be successful. So starting out with a little bit uh, and then increasing from there uh, is is a great strategy uh, in order to be able to uh, improve and, and uh, increase your physical activity levels. Uh, now there's a couple of different ways you can go about that, and we may um, talk about that uh, here in a minute. So uh, we'll we'll get to that here shortly. That's a great segue, Brian. Let's talk a little bit about how someone would start an exercise program. Can you take us through those steps? Well, I, I think the first thing that we need to make sure is that uh, there's there's not something that is going to prevent an individual from uh, participating in an exercise or physical activity program. Uh, and by that, I mean uh, we want to we want to look at safety first, but we also need to uh, understand that there are uh, comorbidities or coexisting conditions that can exist, uh, and that may change the way that we uh, recommend uh, specific exercises. And by that, I mean uh, whether someone has increased uh, or high blood pressure, uh, they may have um, uh, changes or uh, cardiovascular conditions, they may have uh, uh, pulmonary conditions, asthma, or, or other coexisting types of conditions that we need to plan around. Um, so, 
one should really uh, make sure that they uh, are safe to exercise by speaking with their, their doctor and, and uh, having everything in place. Uh, it, it is clear that uh, exercise is important for all of those conditions, but it may be how we recommend and, and carry through with that exercise dependent upon uh, the comorbidities or coexisting conditions that exist. Uh, and then we go back to uh, what we were just talking about, starting mm-hmm. slow. Um, so, uh, before, before that even, um, I, I always recommend that people try to find something that they, uh, enjoy. And if, uh, they're an individual that says, well, I hate exercise, um, then find something that you'll tolerate. Uh, so ways in which you can perhaps increase the ability to, uh, enjoy that is group activities. Um, Mm -hmm. there is a, 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 a mountain of research out there that uh, individuals who participate in group activities are often uh, more successful because of accountability, because mm-hmm. they can um, uh, participate with other people. Uh, and um, But you need to know what works best for you. Some people do like to exercise individually, at least to start. But starting slow uh, and, and going from there. Uh, and, and by slow, I mean not necessarily long periods of time. Uh, we, uh, we have a couple of, uh, rules that we utilize, um, as far as exercise. And that's, uh, if you don't feel as good two hours after you've done your exercise, uh, or better, you've probably done too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a, a little tip to, to think about, uh, how you can look at it. Un- unfortunately, it's retrospective, but you can mm-hmm. then make adjustments the next time, uh, so uh, I think that that's an important one. Uh, in addition, we also recommend that people um, try to start with their exercise program uh, and see how they're feeling into it. Uh, so many times, and all of us, whether diagnosed with MS or not, um, have come home from a, a day at work and said, well, you know, it'd really be good if I went out and walked the dog uh, or <laughs> I went for uh, my exercise session or did whatever but I just don't feel like it. Um, what I recommend that people do is, is go through the process, um, put on, uh, get dressed for the activity that you're going to do, uh, and go out and start it. Often what people will find is that they feel better. Um, that, uh, that, that cloud lifts a little bit, um, that fatigue goes away. Uh, and if they don't, um, then often what we will recommend is that, you know, Go ahead and and um, and stop that activity and and uh, uh, try it try it the next day um, because you know there is MS fatigue and we know mm-hmm. that it's real um, and sometimes we can't power through that but often the fatigue that we feel um, either getting up in the morning or or later in the afternoon or whatever it happens to be um, is due to that emotional um, maybe even cognitive fatigue and and activity can be very helpful for uh, managing that piece. Um, so Great. looking at ways in which you can do that, and then um, uh, we can talk about some other strategies as you get into your exercise program. But when you start, make sure that you're clear with um, with your physician, and then um, if you need some assistance from uh, other professionals uh, to as to where to start, uh, that can be helpful also. Great. Well, you've made some excellent points, and um, certainly your point about finding the right activity, uh, something that you enjoy, is is crucial. And um, you know, maybe that activity is part of a um, larger group uh, that you were referring to. So, a lot of great points that you made there. 
Um, and you touched on this. You know, we've all been there, myself included, um, where we start that exercise program and and um, and then it stops. And and you've talked about this. Um, are, is there anything else you'd like to add around helping folks maintain an exercise program? Well, I, I think the the one thing uh, specific to MS um, that that I didn't particularly allude to is that you know sometimes the the challenge or the frustration or the lack of motivation may come from uh, the 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 symptoms that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. whether it be heat sensitivity or or fatigue or or weakness. Um, you know, it's not a lack of motivation; it's it's the ability of how to get past some of those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. you, you and I, sometimes uh, we get stuck in that rut and, and uh, can't get to the gym and we have all kinds of excuses why uh, that happens with MS. But also we know that, that can, um, uh, there can be other uh, components of the disease that get in the way. So Absolutely. if you need some assistance and you need some ways in which you can manage your program and modify it a little bit, um, that's uh, certainly where you can turn to some of your rehab professionals, some people with experience and um, exercise, uh, if you that le- right leg weakness, if for example is the one that is um, um, getting in the way of you doing the activities, you may need to figure out ways to modify it, uh, mm-hmm. or balance is an issue. Um, so you know there are ways to participate in the activities uh, and gain the benefits. Uh, it may require some additional modification and, and working with your healthcare professionals on ways in which you can do that. To be successful um, is uh, an important step that needs to be considered. Absolutely. So what are some ways that people can exercise at home if they're unable to afford or travel to a class? Well, there's lots of household items um, that can certainly allow you to do different activities at Mm -hmm. home. Uh, So you can use um, regular you know, jars or, or cans of um, vegetables, those kinds of things as your weight or resistance. Um, uh, you can obviously um, participate with some instruction uh, prior to in some flexibility types of activities. Um, balance types of activities can also be done at home uh, given the proper ext- instruction and uh, safety parameters, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that your external environment is good for that. Uh, and then, um, you know, there are uh, ways in which you can um, uh, participate in, in more endurance types of activities, whether that be uh, getting out and, and going for a walk or, you know, pushing your wheelchair if uh, you're primarily using a, a wheelchair. Uh, but utilizing different types of activities um, that might be uh, beneficial for you to, um, uh, to participate at home. Uh, I would say that uh, instruction is an important component uh, in order to make sure that you are safe and that you have mm-hmm. um, all of the different um, uh, external uh, activities around or act- uh, external uh, support systems around uh, in order to be able to participate. Uh, there are DVDs, um, there are uh, YouTubes, uh, there's online programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would say to you is that um, you, you, can, you can search that. It doesn't necessarily have to be specific to MS, um, but that may be a good place to start because often those instructors uh, or, or individuals are taking into consideration um, some of those modifications that may need to take place, um, mm-hmm. such as 
kind of active rest periods. Uh, so uh, when you're doing a, an activity, you may do uh, something that is a little bit more exertional for a short period of time and then have some active periods where you do flexibility or stretching. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're still exercising, but um, you're, you're allowing some recovery uh, that may be leading to, uh, the, or the, acti- the activity may be leading to some localized fatigue, uh, and you can manage some of those rest periods through uh, more active rest, uh, like flexibility, or maybe even some strengthening types of activities. So there's there's a lot of ways in which you can do that. Um, if you can involve perhaps members of your family, um, so you get that group uh, accountability, Mm -hmm. uh, that can be helpful. Uh, And then for those who who require a a little bit more assistance, um, again, I would refer you back to um, some of your rehab um, uh, professionals to perhaps uh, instruct you in some partner stretching types of opportunities that might be helpful. Um, ways in which you can assist with uh, strength training um, by either using those household items or um, uh, resistive bands, Mm -hmm. uh, all of those kinds of things that are are relatively um, uh, inexpensive, uh, accessible, and uh, available for you to do at home. Those are great tips. Thank you so much, Brian. So we've been talking a lot about exercise in MS. However, There are also times when people need or can benefit from physical therapy or occupational therapy. Can you elaborate more about these areas? Well, yes, absolutely. Uh, I just referred to um, one of those potential um, opportunities in that uh, if uh, if you need a place, you're not sure exactly where to start um, with your exercise program, and particularly if you're looking at starting something at home, um, then I would certainly recommend uh, looking at ways in which uh, you can engage a physical or occupational therapist with some experience in MS uh, to help guide you through that exercise program. Uh, but by and large, when we start talking about rehabilitation, um, and that's what we're talking about with physical therapy and occupational therapy, mm-hmm. um, there needs to be um, a very specific goals uh, or goal-oriented types of activities. Um, and that's not to say that your exercise program isn't towards a specific goal, um, but often we are looking at functional mobility types of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when you have a very specific functional mobility goals, I want to be able to transfer better. I want to be able to walk better. I want to be able to get around in the community better. Um, all of those are much more oriented towards functional mobility mm-hmm. uh, and you should really seek out, um, you know, through um, a discussion with your doctor, uh, a rehabilitation therapist, whether it be physical or occupational therapist, uh, in order to be able to start working you towards those goals and hopefully providing you with um, some exercises that you can follow through with uh, at home or or out at a gym if that works for you, uh, in order to um, be able to maintain. Uh, the functional mobility that you hopefully will gain uh, and or um, uh, maintain uh, as part of your rehabilitation program. So it's really more around uh, functional mobility uh, and uh, you know, speaking to your physician because it does tend to be uh, geographical as to who handles uh, which 
uh, different aspects. Mm -hmm. By and large, occupational therapists are going to be working more with uh, activities of daily living. Um, So if you need to find ways in which you can um, uh, better maintain your energy in the kitchen or uh, with uh, uh, dressing, grooming, those kinds of things, that often is uh, going to fall into the occupational therapy side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Physical therapy will be more around uh, uh, other kinds of uh, functional mobility like ambulation. Uh, It may have more to do with how you uh, working with transfers, but occupational therapists work with transfers also and, and, and some of these other things like standing balance that physical therapists. So it really depends upon um, the expertise and, and the uh, individuals that you're dealing with in your particular area. But uh, hopefully, um, uh, if you have very specific goals, uh, you have someone that you can go to to uh, help troubleshoot, um, provide adaptations, and um, look at ways in which you can improve uh, in those areas. Uh, and if improvement is, is not necessarily your goal, then at least looking at ways in which you can maintain. Great. And thank you for helping to explain the difference between physical therapy and occupational therapy for for uh, our listeners. Yeah, and it can be fuzzy. Yeah. But, uh, but so, uh, but Definitely uh, talk to your doctors and and make sure that you go in with uh, an understanding uh, of what your goals are. And uh, hopefully if for whatever reason that referral is to um, uh, the quote unquote uh, wrong, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, professional, they will be uh, able to guide you to the right one. Great. Excellent tips. And certainly having goals in mind is is, uh, an absolutely great place to start. You've provided so much great information and helpful insights today, Brian. As we wrap up the program, what are some of the key takeaway messages you want to leave our listeners with today? Well, I think the first key message is is exactly what um, is this this particular podcast is all about: is that people with multiple sclerosis can exercise, mm-hmm. uh, and they can do it safely. Uh, and they can gain the benefits of physical activity or exercise just like anyone else. Um, so uh, we, and, and that may not sound groundbreaking um, uh, to to the listeners, but you know, it wasn't that long ago when it was thought that exercise was something that was going to uh, make people with MS worse, that it was going to increase exacerbations and, and the like. And we know now that that is not the case. Um, that people can exercise safely. Uh, mm-hmm. They may have some transient symptoms that they need to keep an eye on. Uh, there may be, we referred to the increased in um, uh, fatigue that can occur in the short term. Uh, there can also be increase in sensory symptoms or, or increase in symptoms that you currently have. You just have to pay attention to that. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's important to uh, look at ways in which you can exercise uh, and and participate in the activities that you enjoy. Uh, The second key takeaway that we touched upon is that um, physical activity counts. So if you uh, enjoy doing things, whether it be uh, getting out and and, uh, playing golf uh, or it's uh, um, doing other kinds of activities, getting out and and working in the garden, uh, all of those things are 
activities that contribute to your overall well-being, both physically and emotionally. Um, so it's important to not pigeonhole yourself into uh, the fact that, well, I'm, I'm, I don't belong to a gym or I'm not doing um, these different activities or I'm not doing an exercise program. Um, the activities count. Um, mm-hmm. The exercise programs are, are good because we can focus them in on uh, areas that hopefully will improve and allow you to do more of those fun activities. Um, but uh, the physical activities in and of themselves do count. Uh, the one thing that uh, uh, we, we we didn't touch upon in a whole lot is um, looking at way the adaptations. One of the adaptations mm-hmm. that is really important as we start to approach um, um, the warmer times of year uh, is looking at cooling um, because uh, heat sensitivity is something that we do know uh, can occur in people with MS. Uh, when we do, when we become physically active, we start to increase our, our core body temperature, uh, and then you add in the ambient temperature that can be um, can be problematic. Also, uh, then uh, that can increase the symptoms that someone has. So, looking at ways in which you cool uh, while different uh, doing different activities or taking advantage of the cooler times of day to do your physical activity are, are really important. Also, mm-hmm. um, so. Then lastly, um, you know, think about alternative types of activities um, that fit into exercise, whether it be yoga or Pilates or Tai Chi or you know, some of these other classes um, that uh, have become more popular and, and active. A lot of them um, are modified uh, right. for individuals who may have more mobility problems or more balance problems. Uh, seek out what's in your community and, and um, uh, utilize uh, organizations like the MSAA for, as a resource to um, identify where there may be some of those types of programs available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's uh, important to get out there um, because uh, not only was, is the physical activity good from uh, a, an overall physical health standpoint, but in interacting with other people and, and um, uh, being able to share can be very educational uh, and uh, supportive uh, also. So looking at that, not only physical, but also that um, mental uh, and social component. Get up, exercise, laugh, and have some fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Great advice. And those are excellent key takeaway messages, Brian. And, and thank you also for touching on the heat sensitivity um, that we know so many of our listeners experience. So thank you for uh, providing all of those terrific tips. You bet. Great. Well, that concludes our podcast. A little is a lot when exercising with MS. On behalf of MSAA, I would like to thank Brian Hutchinson for his excellent presentation on this very important topic, Gradwell House Recording for hosting us today and producing the program, and our funding partners, Biogen, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and Genentech for supporting this podcast, as well as additional programs as part of our MS Awareness Month campaign. This podcast, along with additional information on multiple sclerosis, can be found on our website at mymsaa.org. Once again, thank you for listening.